0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Um, and one last thing before I speak. Um, thank you, Caitlin. Thank you for the the worship team this morning for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Each week in this series, we've been kicking off um, our messages with a little bit of a, a, a bumper video and a, and a narration, um, and we have one more this week. and And I think throughout these the series, what we've wanted you to get is that life is real, right? I can look out across this room today, and I know some of your stories. I know. You know, you guys are dealing with life. You guys are dealing with junk. You're dealing with the realness of life. And, and each one of these weeks, we've tried our best to capture a little bit of, uh, of the realness of life. That there are those suddenly moments when the phone rings and, and you don't know what's on the other end of it. Kumaran and Dee, The phone rings and you pick it up and you're not sure how to process What's about to come through. And so we've had these suddenly moments. And, and today, um, I'm going to turn it back over to the, the creative minds to just lead us into that moment and, and, and kind of finish off these series of videos that we've been doing. And then I'll come back and I will speak to you today on I Am Joy.
0: Tis the season to be jolly, fa la 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 la, la 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 la. Oh, what joy this season brings! The smile comes from the hope, the birth of the Savior brought. The hustle and the bustle, the family and the food, the gifts and the fun, joy. To the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him. Room. Huh. Prepare him room. Seems to be a never-ending struggle for the king of kings. From that day of his birth to this very moment, he is always looking for a place to dwell. The whole reason he came and wrapped himself in flesh was to dwell. And to dwell with him, to abide in him, well, is to have all the things we have spoken of. Life, or light, I should should say. And hope, love, and peace. And all of it wrapped up in a box with this big, beautiful bow on top of it called joy. Joy is walking around with a smile on your face because you have the inside scoop. God is in control and all is well. Now, joy is not the absence of sadness. Oh no, on the contrary. It is the hope that can be found in the midst of sadness. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Just as his peace makes no sense neither does his joy from those sitting in the bleachers of your life look at life look at it all around you families kept apart fear of health and life financial struggles the uncertainty about our future you should not have hope You should not have peace. And above all, you should not have joy. Especially when everything is falling apart. Right? Am I right? Wrong. See, your circumstances would try and dictate your response fear, anxiety, anger, despair. But believe it or not, you choose to react this way by chasing the fickle wind of emotions. The thing, though, that can change that response for your good is one little word called faith. So, when life hands you lemons, can you still smile? Or is that glass just a little too hard to drink? From? nothing and be grateful and, and, and thankful for everything that we have how am I able to walk through this
1: how do I go through this Lord every
0: time that, that I walked up from the valley Lord Jesus I go back there you me up. And I just seem to fall back down again. You ask that I trust you. But I can't.
1: But I'm going to remember that you will never leave
0: me. Going to trust in you. Abiding in him at night as they searched for a place for Mary to lay her head so that she could bring life. So that she could bring joy into this world. The only place they could find. Was that leftover spot. That nobody wanted. But that's okay. Because God is pretty resourceful. For you to abide in him. And for him to then dwell in you you're probably going to have to get rid of some stuff to make some room for him oh but don't you worry you're not getting rid of anything worth keeping as the shepherds watched over their flocks by the light of the star that shone over Bethlehem in the lull And quiet of their watchful sleep, an angel arrived to announce the birth of the Messiah. An angel came to them in the the midst of their routine at the darkest and loneliest time of night. An angel arrived to announce, to pull them out of the mundane, And into the miraculous. In the midst of your darkest moments. Know that the Savior who came looking for a place to dwell on that fateful night. Is right here, right now, looking for a place to dwell. You see, it is your heart that is his home. It is your mind that is his dwelling place. And when he moves in, he brings so much with him. Isn't it just like God to come in the oddest of fashions? A king born of a virgin birth in the dwelling place of animals, with nothing more than sheep and shepherds to share in the joy. Isn't it also just like God to use a hopeless situation for your good? You see, He specializes in the hopeless and the odd situations. will come through every time every time, every time every time, every time just hold on joy comes in the morning smile in the face of uncertainty (laughs) certain that God is in control and working all things for your good so this season Remind yourself of that. Hold on to the message the angels delivered. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel told them, fear not, because I have good news. The Savior is born. Well, fear not, for I also have good news. That same Savior is here, looking to dwell and to fill you with faith and with joy. You must choose to let it all go and to replace it with faith. See, the interesting thing about faith is that there is a slight degree of difference between faith and fear. They both say that I am believing in something that isn't. As though it is yes. so go on clean out your heart clear out the clutter refuse the anxiety banish the fear and invite him to move in he has come looking to dwell and to abide with you and to give you light, to give you hope, to give you love, to give you peace and to give you joy.
1: I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say after that. That's that's it. That's my notes. Uh, seriously, that was that was that's the that's the that's the takeaway today. Joy is a choice. Joy is not. I, I gotta I gotta. I, I have a short period of time today, Andrew. So thank you for, for consuming half of my notes. That was just absolutely amazing. You're laughing, but I, I I, was feeling the Holy Ghost the entire time you were up here, and, and you were speaking the Word of God to people today. You were speaking the Word of God to people right now in this room who are dealing with the craziness of life. Uh, as I was preparing for this message, something that came so apparent to me was how crazy the first Christmas was. We, we have this idea of the nativity where shepherds and wise men are sitting around drinking hot cider with Jesus in the manger. But you have to understand something. That the first Christmas, the Christmas in which Christ arrived onto this earth was crazy. You see, the world was in turmoil. Turmoil. Pastor Steve, I think you mentioned it last week. It was that uh, the, the dark times, those inter, they call it the intertestamental period in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You had these people who were God's people, the Israelites that, that really had, had uh, they were seeing the global world power shift from the Babylonians and the, into the, the Greek and the Romans. And so you saw political uncertainty in a way that we are seeing it in our own world right now. You saw the, uh, the, the, the Caesar who was the overreaching government who was putting taxation and who was, who was reaching in and those Israelites really did not have a place or a purpose like they once knew that they did. Herod, I thought I was special this year because we, we brought a baby into this world in a pandemic. You know, we had no idea what was going on. We couldn't even drive down the road to Toys R Us to get baby supplies. But Jesus is born into an era of Herod the Great, so power hungry and so thirsty as a king that when he hears about this Messiah who has come, this king of the Jews, his response is to slaughter all the firstborn baby boys. And so it seems apparent to me that this world that Jesus shows up in, this nativity scene that we have set up in our minds, is a lot more crazy than we might think it actually is. And it probably looks a lot more like today than we might have thought that it would. This isn't the first time that the world has been crazy. But in the middle of all of that, it was in the middle of all of that, that He showed up. He showed up, and when he showed up, we can now say that joy is here. Last week, we learned that peace is here. We learned that hope is here in the middle of the craziness of my life, in the midst of my situation, and I know that today there are some of you that are in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it whether it's COVID, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a work thing, whether it's a family thing, whether you don't have any purpose or place in life right now, I want to tell you that that is the environment in which peace, joy can show up. You don't have to wait for things to be perfect and the stage to be set, but Jesus shows up in the middle of crazy. Luke chapter 2, and, and I, I don't have time to go through all my notes here today, but it's fine because we've already covered it. But Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12 tells us a little bit of that Christmas story. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, suddenly, in a moment, you may have had a suddenly experience this year, in the past couple years of your life, suddenly something happened. And life is upside down. But for these shepherds that night, verse 9 says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them and said, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy. What is that good news? What is that great joy? Well, verse 11 tells us the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared to them a moment where all of a sudden the good news and the joy that the Savior could bring arrives. And today, I want you to know that suddenly today, suddenly in this moment, suddenly right now, He once again wants to show up in your life and let you know that there is joy to be found. There is joy to be found. But, But here's the thing with joy. Joy is not what we think it is. Joy is not what we think it is because this world has made joy out to be something different than what it was originally designed to be by God. Here's what I do know about joy. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. Throw it up on the screen for me. Joy is not an emotion. Well, you say, what do you mean by that? Don't I have an emotional response when, when I feel joyful? Joy to the world. You guys sang it so beautifully today. But but joy is not the emotion of singing that song and thinking about the crisp white snowfall outside and the pretty little manger scene. Joy is not an emotion. What do you mean by that? Well, if joy was an emotion, I should maybe rather rephrase this. True joy is not an emotion. Then your joy would be dependent upon how you feel. Your joy would be dependent upon the situation that you're in. Your joy would be dependent upon you. And I don't know about you, but you've probably felt seven different ways since you woke up this morning. You felt good about waking up on time, and you were able to get the kids dressed, and you are able to get out the door on time. And now that you're here at church, you know, kids are getting a little fussy. You're thinking about what's coming next, and now you're getting hungry. And when I get hungry, I get a little bit angry, and we call that hangry. And so your emotions have turned seven different ways today. But joy is not an emotion. I want you to know today that joy is not an emotion. Look at, look at this. Look at this story. We think it's so beautiful, but, but I don't think we get it. Angel shows up and, and, and tells Mary, you're going to have a baby. A- a- and she's not married yet. She's engaged to Joseph. You're going to have a baby, and, and that baby is going to be the Messiah. And, and, and sure, that's wonderful. Wow, Mary. That's Good job, Mary. I have a feeling Mary probably didn't necessarily love that news. I, you know, back in that... Let's just be plain. Today, if you get pregnant out of, out of wedlock, not a big deal, right? It's, it's, it's more popular than being married nowadays. The news that Mary was pregnant before she was married gave her two options in the Old Testament law. You could be publicly stoned... Or your husband could put you away with a divorce, which in that day was a very, very, very shameful thing. She would be marked as this woman of shame. So this news, Mary, that you're going you're gonna to conceive this miraculous baby, I don't know if she was as excited about it as, as, as we all think she was. Imagine having that conversation with your family, with your, with your fiancé, and, and, and you know what? God picked the right people. I, I, I'm not taking his sovereignty out of this because Joseph, God, God picked Mary probably because of how Joseph was going to respond to Mary. And, and so he picks the right people, but, but, but imagine the family, and imagine the friends, and imagine the, the, the people in that culture, what their attitude and opinion was. Well, really? This is the miracle, miraculous Messiah that you're carrying. Okay, I understand. Just put yourself in these shoes for a minute. Good news and great joy has come. But was it good news to Mary? Was it great joy to Mary? Because if it's all based on emotion, I don't know if it really would have been good news and great joy to Mary. Let's, let's look at the scriptures in Luke chapter 1, 29 and 30. This is when the angel is appearing unto Mary. The angel is, is saying, I've come to give you the news that you will be the, the, the one who bears the Messiah. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She was troubled because, because there's, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a different context. Maybe we understand it. It's not maybe as, as great and glorious of a story as, as we've always thought it to be. There was cultural significance to what she was about to go through. And, and, and the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of information about what that looked like and what the stigma was on their life. But, but I always wonder, they had to go back to Bethlehem for a census. Caesar, uh, he, he put out a decree to say, you have to go back to your, 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 your hometown to be registered in a census because they were going to tax people based on where they lived. And at this point, Mary and Joseph, they're in Nazareth, but they travel back to Bethlehem because he's of the line of David, and, and that's where his roots are. That's where his family, family heritage is in Bethlehem. But do you notice that they have a baby in, 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 a, in, a, in a, an animal's food trough? You would think if you went back to your hometown that there's an uncle or a relative or somebody who would put you up. And and again, I'm just kind of speculating here. We don't have scripture to back this up. But I almost wonder if the reason why there was no room in Bethlehem was because of the stigma that might have been attached with this immaculate conception. There's no uncle. There's no brother. There's no no relative that could open up their home as they travel back to their hometown of Bethlehem. And the inn is full and, and, and they end up... We think it was a, you know, a stable, but they don't really know. It could have been a cave. The story is, if joy is an emotion, is Mary really feeling joy right now? I don't know. But 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 look what she says in, in Luke 1, 46 and 47. Luke 1, 46 and 47. Just a, a, a few short chapters after she was troubled. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. In verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God. My spirit has found joy in my Savior. Something has happened from the time when she received this troubling news to when she can stand there and say, I have joy in the midst of this uncertainty. I have joy in the midst of this storm. I have joy in the midst of this stigma that I've fallen into. What changed? What changed? And if you have your Bible open, you'll notice that I'm jumping past some scriptures. We started out in Luke 1 and 29 and 30, where she's troubled. And then Luke 1, 46, she's magnifying. So what happens in the middle? Well, something happens. I want to draw your attention to verses 31, 34, and 35. These verses fall in the middle of trouble to rejoicing. Verse 31 says, And behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Let me read that to you again. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy, the Son of God we know that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit but I I often wonder if it's in this moment right now where the Holy Spirit fills her the Holy Spirit comes upon her I don't know if I don't think in scripture we can find the moment when 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 that conception actually happens but I wonder if it's as this angel is speaking and says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the most pa- the power of the most high will overshadow you if his spirit fills her His spirit, the one that would put that that child inside of her in a supernatural way, it fills her. And a few verses later, she says, I rejoice in my Lord. Because joy is not an emotion, but joy is something supernatural that takes place when we connect with the Holy Spirit of God and He fills us. And joy doesn't make sense anymore, but I can still have joy in the middle of life when it's going crazy. Because joy is not simply an emotion, but joy is an experience with God. It's an experience with the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes into your heart and into your life. And for Mary, that looked like the conception. But for us, when the Spirit comes into our heart and our life, we receive the joy. We receive the peace. We receive the hope that we have been speaking about and preaching about for the past few weeks. Mary was confused and she was troubled, but she was able to stand and say, I rejoice Because she recognized joy is not dependent upon my emotions. Secondly, joy is not dependent upon my situation. Joy is not dependent upon my situation. Well, pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what was on the other end of that phone call. Joy is not dependent upon your situation because joy is not simply an emotion. Yes, joy can bring emotional responses, but joy is rooted in something so much bigger than you and me. It's rooted in who he is. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians. He's writing to the church of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pretty plain and simple. Always, Paul? Always. Always. In every situation, Paul? Always. Paul, you want me to be one of those fake Christians walking around with a plastic smile all the time? No, we still feel things. We still go through things. Paul is the one, if you've been in our study, the book of Acts, he was shipwrecked. He was publicly stoned with rocks. He was beaten for his faith. Rejoice always. Joy can't be based on emotion. You can feel emotions. You can feel sorrow. You can feel sadness. You can feel uh, a mourning. And you can still have the joy of the Lord. You can still rejoice in knowing that I am in the will and the plans of the Lord. Because joy is not dependent upon my situation. How do we rejoice always? Well, he goes on in, in, in the next verse in 17. and He says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Now I know you have to go to work in the morning. I know you have to drive. I know you can't always get down on your hands and your knees and close your eyes and pray. But what Paul is saying is be in constant communication with the one who brings you joy. Be in constant communication with the one who can bring you joy in every situation. The things of this world, the things that in this Christmas season we make it all about will not bring you joy. My drive here this morning, I drove past Costco. And I got here a little later than normal, so it was, it was open. Normally when I drive by it, it's closed. They were lining up outside already. 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning. The joy that this world can give you through things, material goods, careers relationships will not bring you true joy but true joy is not dependent upon this life it's when we look up look up look up and see our joy comes from above pastor you'll like this one philippians 4 and 4 this came up on my my phone i i get the the text messages with the daily scripture um on the U version app uh it tells me what the verse of the day is it gives me a pretty little picture on my phone it was Philippians 4.4 4 yesterday. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The NLT says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say again, rejoice. If you read the, uh, the New King James, it says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Pastor, last week it was shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. We fix our minds on him and he brings perfect peace. This week it is rejoice. And then again, rejoice. There is a a focus and a determination in Paul when he's writing to the church in in Philippi that says rejoice. And when you're done rejoicing, get ready to rejoice again. Because joy is going to do something in you. Joy is going to bring you through some things. Joy is not dependent upon what you're going through. Rejoice. You can be sad. You can be mourning. You can be angry. You can be going through the natural motions of your flesh. And you can still rejoice. You can be locked down. You can be in COVID red. You could be in COVID gray. You could be in COVID yellow. And you can still rejoice because your joy is not dependent upon this world or your emotions or your situation. Go ahead and be seated. Guys are encouraging me too much today. I'm almost done, guys. I know know we're close to 12 o'clock. I only got a couple more things to say. Joy is my power to endure. Joy is my power to endure. Joy is my endurance. Joy is my power to endure. what What do you mean by that? What do you mean endure? Well, Paul... Many times in His Word of God, He references endurance, and it kind of makes sense because Paul is in this Roman Greek era where uh, there's the the you know the ancient Greek Olympic games are are prevalent in his time period, and so he writes to these these churches and he uses these these analogies or these these, these descriptions of enduring through uh, almost in an athletic sense, run with endurance run with endurance and, and and the analogy is quite he's, he's making it clear to the people of today who would understand these these olympians and these athletes who would who would train and they would they would put all their energy into training so that they could endure through a race or they could endure through an active event and and, and that spectacle that would take place and so he uses this language and in hebrews i think in hebrews i don't even know if they completely know that hebrews was written by paul i think it's one of those verse books that they kind of don't not sure but i I think it was written by him because we see this language of endurance show up in hebrews in the same way that paul uses hebrews in other books and so uh, we're gonna to our best of our knowledge assume that hebrews the writer here in this text is paul writing to us again in hebrews we're gonna go to chapter 12 hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 writes and says, Therefore we also, since we are crowded, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, now he's talking about being in a sports event and you're surrounded by a crowd of people watching you. He's, he's making this spiritual, but he's speaking in terms that they would understand. We're being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run... With endurance, the race that is set before us. So, this life that we're living, this, this this Christian walk with God that we're living, you and I, we live in this world where people around us, you are some of the spectators, you know, watching me right now. I have people at my, my workplace and people all in my life that are, are a witness of my life. And, and the writer says, Lay aside the weights, lay aside the sins that would that would bog you down, that would weigh you down, that would, would put extra baggage on you. And you gotta run with endurance. And this year, I think we've we've all maybe felt like we're in a bit of an endurance race. It's like, I'm just trying to get to the, the handoff of the baton. You know, I just, need to, I just need to get to the next month. And I just need to get to the next month. And I don't know what happens in 2021, Pastor, but I just got to get through 2021 now. Some of us, I feel like we're in a bit of an endurance race. Paul says you got to run with endurance. Lay aside the weights. But here's what I find so great. In verse 2 it says, looking unto Jesus. Last week, we fixed our minds. This week, we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who started the work in you. He's the one who, who spoke to you maybe years ago. He, he started the work. He's also going to finish that work. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Some Christmas message, I know. We've we've just got him in the cradle. And and, and now, Pastor, you're putting him in the grave. but, But what you need to understand is that Jesus, when he was born to this world, He was not born in the same way that I look at my daughter and I hope she grows up to be this and she grows up to be that and I hope that she's maybe a musician or a singer or she's active in the church. But Jesus, when he came to this earth, his whole purpose, his whole mission was to make it to a cross where he would die for you and for me. And if you know nothing about the in-between, it's okay. There's amazing stories of his miracles and what he did on this earth. But if you're here today and you only know two things here's what you need to know he came and he was born on this earth God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and he gave that son so that one day he would go to a cross to be the answer of salvation for you and for me that my sin those weights which easily beset me could be heaved upon him and I could run with endurance but it says that it was for the joy that was set before him are you telling me today that the the cross was joyful No, the cross wasn't joyful. The cross was horrible. The cross was a horrid way to die. The cross was a a shameful way to die. It says, despising the shame. He endured the cross, despising the shame that it brought him. Remember Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed until he bled. Blood was coming out of his pores. He said, God, I don't want to do this. Remember, Jesus is fully God, but he's fully man. He was feeling the emotions of what's about to happen. He's feeling like there's going to be abandonment, and the disciples are going to walk away from me, and there's going to be shame because uh, there's going to be pain. He's feeling his emotions. He prayed in that garden until his his pores began to, to, to discharge blood, but he said, nevertheless, your will be done. He submitted to the plan of God. And we read in Hebrews where it was the joy that was set before him, he could endure that cross. So his joy was his endurance, because if he was wasting it on his emotions, he didn't want to do it. If he was basing it upon his flesh and how he felt about it, he wouldn't have done it. But he said, the joy that was set before me was my endurance. So it tells me that joy can't just be an emotion. Joy can't just be dependent upon my situation. But joy has to be the knowledge that I am in the will of God. Joy has to be the knowledge that I am on the right path with God. That God has not left me to die in that grave. God has not left me to rot in that grave. But when I die, I will raise again. And I am in the will of God. And I will be seated at the right hand of God. And these people who call me their Savior will have access to an eternity with me. And so joy is the knowledge of God. It's the understanding that I am in his will. It's the understanding that through the darkest moment of Jesus's life, God would not forsake him. He would be there every day moment and for you and for me today our joy is our endurance yes we're going to go through hard times yes life is going to be difficult yes we're not going to know what tomorrow will bring but we can walk with endurance knowing that it's the joy of the Lord that is set before me that no matter what happens no matter if I live or if I die I will forevermore be with the Lord I will forevermore have salvation in the Lord That is the joy that we hear of and we see of in these passages today. And that is the joy that he brings when he comes in that manger scene. It's not a joy that's based on an emotion. It's a joy that the knowledge of God has come. We can know him in the fullness of his power. We can know him in the fullness of salvation. It's knowing I am secure with him. That is our endurance. I'm going to ask the music to come as we wrap this up. Think about it. Through that whole process, Jesus kept his tongue. He kept his course. He kept his progress. He didn't condemn those guards who were whipping him and beating him and tearing the flesh out of him. But he was submitted and he maintained his course because of the joy. Joy will take you through some things when you keep your course knowing that you are on the path that the Lord has put you on. In contrast, Peter tries to stop the crucifixion attempt when, when, when the guards come to seize Jesus, it's Peter who tries to stop them. What does Jesus do? Basically says, You're a you're a devil. Why are you trying to stop this? You see, that's us sometimes. We're trying to stop the pain, we're trying to stop the the, the uncertainty. But Jesus was submitted and surrendered to the fact that sometimes there is purpose in my pain. Sometimes there is purpose in my uncertainty. Sometimes there is a purpose and a reason for why I am going through what I'm going through. And I don't have to give up because it's the joy of the Lord that will sustain me through it. The world has tricked us into thinking that joy is an emotion. And when we think that joy is an emotion and we don't feel joy, we think that we have somehow failed God. How can I be a Christian when I get a bad report from the doctor and I feel uh, anxious or I feel uncomfortable? You can feel that and still have joy. God does not want you to, to let your anxiousness and your fear and your sorrow cloud out the idea that He is still God in the middle of it and maybe He's bringing you through it for a purpose. But the world would have you think, if I don't feel happy all the time and there's a smile plastered on my face, I must be doing something wrong. God knows that you're going to go through some sorrows. And my last point is joy is not the absence of sorrow. Andrew, you, you, you hit that in your, your thing today. Joy is not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of sorrow. But joy is the knowledge of God. Joy is the knowledge that when Psalms 30 Verse 5 says, weeping may endure for a night. Joy is knowledge that joy will come in the morning. Joy is knowing that God will bring joy in the morning. Joy is the knowledge that God will fill me with His joy when I need it. I read that scripture and I almost think of the, 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 the tomb where weeping was enduring for a night. Night 1, night 2, night 3. He was dead. He was in the tomb, but Joy would come in the morning when they would go to the tomb and they would see that the tomb was empty. Joy came in the morning and for you and for me, whatever season you're in right now, whatever brokenness you're in, whatever death is in your life right now, I want you to know that you can have this joy today that brings a freedom. It brings a freedom in your life. stand with me today you say pastor that's all good and all but life is just too real life is just too real right now I do not know if I'm going to make it to next week pastor Pelham family is going to bury one of their loved ones this week I don't know how to deal with this we were on a a minister's call this week with people from from Ontario and the, the leader of our organization for North America said Somewhere over 30 ministers, licensed ministers and and, and officials within our church movement have passed away in the last year from COVID. These are people who are preachers. They're leaders within their, their cities and in their states. I don't know how to have joy in that. How do my emotions process that? How do my feelings process that? Joy is more than just an emotion. Because here at the end of the day, this is what I want to tell you. Matthew 5 and 12 says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You know, at the end of the day, I don't have answers for everything that goes on. I don't have answers for death. I don't have answers to you today. But I can tell you that you can rejoice and you can be exceedingly glad, for great... Great is your reward in heaven, even if this life seemingly has victory over me, seemingly has victory, and I never make it to where I thought I might get. Great is your reward in heaven. Luke 6 and 23 says it the same way. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. Joy comes when you have a secure knowledge that no matter what, even death cannot steal my joy, because one day I will look in my Savior's face, and I will have the joy that He designed for me to have for eternity.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram. And on Facebook, just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating or a review or even both and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.